Hello, welcome and thank you for joining us today on Friend of God, brought to you by Friendship Baptist Church, located in Sturgis, Mississippi. Today you will hear Dr. Jeremy McCory teaching from 1 Corinthians chapter 7. May this sermon encourage you when you find yourself dealing with a difficult spouse. Let's join Dr. McCory as he reminds us to recall the entire reason for our marriages, which is the glory of God. going to look at the scripture this morning and uh, we're kind of going to be talking about this morning is uh, the unbelieving spouse. So uh, we'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 starting at verse 12. Now we live in a world of unbelief. The Bible even says that unbelieving generation kind of focuses in on that where, where we are surrounded by skeptical people. People who try to rationale or use rationale to find reasons why they live the way they do. We live in a culture that is tolerant of such behaviors and, and believes things are okay and, and, and use this idea of relativism and say, well, whatever's okay and this is okay and that's okay is okay and what you believe is right and wrong is different than what I believe is right and wrong. But we know that there is a stark difference between what culture believes and what this generation believes and what an unbelieving generation believes and the Word of God. And so the Word of God is in stark contrast to the culture today because the Word of God very much says what? There is a right, there is a wrong, there is a way to live, and there is hope beyond your situation. And for so many in this world, there's, there's, there's a buy-in that says that, that we are... We are merely just a conglomeration of all of our choices. We, are, we, we have no way out. We are just the sum of all things, and that at the very end of our lives, we, we perish and we go to the grave like everyone else. And so we live in a generation to which there are so many questions, there are so many people seeking for answers that are seeking extra-biblical resources. But what we pursue after in God's house is what does God say about it? How does the Word of God speak to life today? How does God speak to the very bone and marrow of the situation? How does God address all of these things that we face today? And, and the reality behind all of this, and if you're one of those who have failed to really look down deep into the Bible, it answers every single question that society raises today. The Word of God goes through in depth throughout the history of the Bible of many of, of the issues that are in your mind rolling around right now, but certainly all of the issues that mankind faces. I believe the Bible answers. And so I believe the Word of God is living. I mean, it is just as applicable today as it was many years ago throughout our lives and will be for the future. That means that we can look to the Word of God as a roadmap to find salvation, to find eternal life, to have a future, to grow, to serve, to live, everything that we're looking for, in other words, in other means, to address a generation that is unbelieving, and maybe even some that are unbelieving in here, it is found within the person of God Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that is with us now. So 
we look at this topic this morning about an unbelieving spouse. And for so many of us, it's kind of like, well, we've, we've kind of ran over this before, but an unbelieving spouse, we're going to define that kind of like this. Someone is married to someone else who doesn't believe in Jesus Christ and doesn't have that working relationship with him, has never called out to Jesus for salvation, has never accepted the free gift of eternal life, an unbelieving spouse. And so, so many of us kind of go at it like this. We kind of say, well, I can change somebody. Anybody ever started with someone, maybe dating someone, maybe even married someone and thought, I can change them, right? So many of us go into it saying, well, they have a wonderful personality, but they don't know Jesus. Well, they're good people, they're good to me, but they don't know Jesus. And so we find ourselves in a position kind of like this. Well, well, I'm with somebody, they don't know Jesus, and so I take the kids to church, but they don't come. I understand a lot of this is kind of like, Pastor, you're going to meddling now. But at the same time, if we're afraid to talk about these things in church, if we're afraid to see where God lands on this, if we're afraid to look at his teachings on this, then we're kind of like the world around us. We think everything is just the way it ought to be instead of the way that God calls for it to be. So first and foremost, as we look at this this morning, I want you to ask a question. How do you change a person? How can you change someone else? How can you change someone? Think about that. I've long believed that you and I can't change anybody that doesn't want to change within their own lives. In other words, someone in their lives has to have an admission of where they are the stark reality of their eternal life. And in other words, I can't change them. I can't force them. I can't just sit there and dwell in that sense. But what I have to understand is they have to become willing. And in the marital relationship, you can't change a person. Very much so, it has to be the power of God that changes a person. Because in order for somebody to truly change, it comes from the inside, right? Because how many of us have ever encountered somebody that has said, I am changed, yet you tell no difference in the way they live, in the way they act, in the things that they do, or they're great at keeping up with the whole thing for just a short period of time. Anybody ever tried to wait somebody out that said they changed? You say, well, we'll see down the road a little bit if they've really changed. But when God changes you, it's like being in a dark room and the light comes on. Everything changes, right? Everything's different. And so the hope is this, is that we don't lose hope, but we believe in Christ. And we allow for Christ to take on our marriages in such a more comprehensive way that Christ is so enveloped in who we are. And also, so that that further translates into our kids, grandkids, relationships. It matters, mom and dad, if you believe in Christ, it matters how Christ 
situates your life and what happens in your heart and life. So, in thinking about that, it really has a word for us. Now, this month, we're, we're kind of centering everything around the topic of love. But we're also thinking about the idea of what God can do in these relationships. And primarily, one of the relationships that the Bible looks at in comparison to the church is the marriage relationship, doesn't it? So it's important for us to know what the Bible says. So if, if we think about it, let's dive in. A husband and wife, what if one does not believe? Verse 12 kind of gets into all of these things. Verse 12 through 16 is where we're going to land this morning. Verse 12, it says, But to the rest I say, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he must not divorce her. So, so you find yourself in a relationship with somebody and you're married to them. What are you to do? Well, chances are, when you married them, you knew they didn't know Christ, didn't you? Chances are, when you say, well, we got together and all these things just happened, well, you knew they didn't believe in Christ. At the very same time, it says, and the woman who has an unbelieving husband and he consents to live with her, she must not send her husband away. So there's some very de definitive things that are there talking of the permanency of marriage because, as we've learned in the past few weeks in what I've said, is marriage is between two people and God Almighty, right? When you get married and go through a marriage ceremony and you're here in the church and you come up here and you say all the I do's, who are you saying I do to? You're saying, well, the other person. No, you're making a pledge before God and the host of people that you're going to do everything you say you're going to do. And we use these words for better or for worse till death. That's a permanent thing, right? See there, some of y'all have been listening to my sermons. Uh, but... To death do we part. But we think about it like this. Can we save our spouse? Is it possible that you and I can do enough? Think about that question. Verse 14 says, For the unbelieving husband is sanctified through his wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified through her husband. For otherwise her children are unclean, but now they are holy. Yet, if the unbelieving one leaves, let him leave. The brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. Verse 16, For how do you know, O wife, whether, your husband will, uh, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? I want to tell you this morning, I, I believe this with all my heart, and I, I believed it all my life. There's nobody too lost where God can't find them. And I truly believe that God can use our faithfulness in a marriage to reach out to our spouse. But make no bones about it, who saves us? God Almighty. 
It's only when God shows us before us who we really are in our sin and shows us that He is the way. And it is when you and I come to Him ourselves asking and seeking and finding Him there and He forgives us. Only through that righteous relationship with Him will we ever have a marriage that lasts when He is the focal point of our lives. Now, can a husband still pray for his wife who doesn't believe? Can a wife still pray for a husband who doesn't believe? Yes, I hope so. I hope that you still pray. I hope that you still have that. But unless God reaches out to them, which he does, and unless they are obedient, which they have that choice, we can't change them. Because I believe only the power of God has the ability to change the soul. Amen? Only God can truly change anybody's heart. You and I could do our very best to try to change people. But the only permanent change that ever happens is when God redeems you and changes your heart and soul. It lasts, right? So many of us try to do different things and try to make our own selves in certain ways. And I'm just going to tell you, coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. Having or owning a Bible doesn't make you a Christian. Knowing another Christian doesn't make you a Christian. Attending VBS when you were a child doesn't make you a Christian. Going with your grandma during the time of the year where it's maybe Easter or Christmas doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is when you are a believer in Jesus Christ that redeemed your soul, has governorship over your life and heart now, and continues to grow you and others as you bear much fruit. A Christian believer is one distinctly set apart for God. Christian means that you are a Christ follower. And the reality behind all of that is you can't fake that. And you might fake that with other people, right? But you can't hide from God because he sees what? He doesn't see us like we are today. He sees the heart of us. He sees what nobody else does. And so... Thinking about this, the motivating factor, the catalyst for permanent change is a life-changing encounter with the Almighty Himself. If you have ever encountered Jesus Christ in an authentic way, you can't bypass that, can you? You can't back up from that, right? If you truly encounter Jesus Christ and He tells you who you are, shows you your life, presents all the sin in your life, then affords you the way of salvation and forgiveness and eternal life. If he puts that in front of you, you've got to make a conscious decision to either trust and believe or walk away. So I don't believe we live in a world where we have no choice or where there's not a hope beyond all hope. Some illustrations kind of say it like this. The Bible, friend, is an illustration that's out there. 
says, if it's really true that all the world is a stage, then God's children should all have stage fright. Amen? Another thing that it says, John Newton's life rule was this. I make it a rule of Christian duty to never go to a place where there's not room for my master as well as myself. Amen? The things we engage in matter. And lastly, the, the eagle that soars in the upper air does not worry about crossing rivers. We have to understand that God can do what no one else can. And you and I ought to know that because we're living proof of that, right? I believe some of us, and maybe you're just like me, I was told you're hard-headed when I was growing up. Some of us bear the mark of a two-by-four on our head, right? Because God had to get our attention, didn't he? You say, well, God comes in a whisper. God sometimes comes in a mighty rushing wind. God sometimes comes with the rebuke of others. God sometimes comes at, at the uh, expense of what we're going through and has to teach us a difficult lesson. And some of us have that mark still on our forehead. Then there's also some that I see every time, every week, here and other places that kind of do like this. They, they tightly grip the pew as if somehow to put off what God is asking us to do. You might say, well, well, Pastor, I don't know what you see when you're up here every week. I see the power of God to change the darkest of souls, and I see people every week that are responding to that or turning away from that. I see people every week within their marriage they're deciding to pour into each other, but they're also those in a marriage that are deciding to believe in Jesus Christ and change from living for themselves to then living for Christ. And that change brings about a huge change in their lives, in their marriages, and draws them into loving one another, to looking past one's faults, to helping others, because where they find their answers is no longer in a book out there, a self-help or top 12 ways. It's not based on whether or not somebody thinks this or that or somebody posted this wonderful thing on Facebook. It's not on that. It's whether or not the Word of God says we should do something or not do something. And that's what we do or don't do. And so marriages must be centered on God. So an unbelieving spouse the only thing that will change their heart, and I mean completely change their hearts and lives, is an encounter with the Almighty in such a tangible way that they can't ignore, that you can't ignore. And maybe you have been here before. Maybe you don't come often. Maybe you're here this morning because you were drugged to church, right? Maybe you don't know why you're here. But if you are one who is seeking after hope in this life, and maybe you're one that wants to have a better marriage, maybe you're one that does a lot of good things and helps a lot of people, but you don't know Jesus Christ, I'm here to tell you this morning, just like I told them, 
God loves you. God wants you to know that he loves you. He loves you past all of the difficulties, the trials, and the failures that you've had in your life. He loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die for you at your worst. So if he is speaking to you this morning, and you say, well, that unbelieving spouse is me, then I want to invite you this morning if your spouse is here with you, to look at them and say, will you respond today? Will you respond today? Because we need you. So, husband and wife, maybe it's time to grab one another by the hand. Say, I love you, and say, it's time that you responded. It's time that we look to God Almighty, because what we're doing is not working. Because I'm telling you, without God, at the most important part of who your marriage is about, it's not going to work. It's not going to make it. But a God who makes all things possible, if two people are willing to look to Him, He can do an extraordinary thing, can't He? I want us to understand that we don't live in a world without hope. Our hope is only in Jesus Christ. And if we have children, they look to us as their primary examples, don't they? Parents, kids look to you, don't they? They want to know that your faith is real, that you have a faith in Jesus Christ, and they emulate what you do. How many of you learned a lot of things from your parents? You learned how to take care, how to plant a crop, how to do things in the home, how to cook, how to do all of these things in your life. You learned a lot of those things. But how many of you can say that you learned of your parents' faith? And it encouraged you to do the very same thing. We have an influence in our lives of our kids that cannot be ignored. We are their primary examples. Maybe you're here this morning, you're frustrated, and you've tried and you've tried, and you say, Pastor, you just don't know. You don't know how they are. But what I have learned is this. And, and there was a movie that came out called The Prayer Room, is that you and I can make that a point of prayer in our lives. The only people that you and I can do anything about is me and you, right? I can't change anyone else, but I know a God who can change, right? He can change their hearts and minds. He can change the hardest of hearts. He can reach out to the depths of somebody and speak to them in a manner that they have to choose to respond to Him or walk away. So God can do that, and if we're willing to set aside that as a matter of prayer and pray as hard as possible and, and keep an account of all of those things, then we're going to find out that God does, in fact, answer prayer. Are we willing to listen when He comes calling for us? We can entrust them to the Lord because the one thing I've learned about God is this. He is faithful. 
He is ever faithful even when we are not. When we are having a less than stellar day, and even on the most difficult days, even in a marriage that both know Christ, it's difficult. But where do we place our hope? It's in God. It's difficult. Marriage is hard. If you've lived and you've been married for a long time, you can say, well, amen, I know it's hard. But I'm telling you, it's even harder if the Lord is not over your marriage in governorship of everything that you do, guiding and directing how you live within one another and speak truth into one another, but also how you lead those little ones to love the Lord with all of their heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? You can't lead somebody someplace that you've never been. And I grew up in a world where people drop their kids off at church. Amen? But Daddy doesn't go. Daddy needs Jesus. Mama needs Jesus. We all need Jesus. You are not helpless. Maybe you're here this morning, you say, well, Pastor, I've been praying for my spouse. You don't know how hard I've been praying for them. You are not helpless. You are not hopeless. Because Christ is still in control. I want you to understand that we are just to bring them to Him. But also that Christ is the catalyst for permanent change. In this world, there are so many people that will try for these quick fixes. If you don't believe me, at the first of every year, how many people start a new diet? Quick fixes, right? Permanent problem. The permanent problem within the heart of mankind is whether or not they know Christ because he's the only permanent fix in our life our sin problem if you're here this morning and you are that unbelieving spouse the only way your marriage will have a chance at glorifying God is if you know Jesus Christ the only way that you will be able to love your spouse like the Lord loves you is if you know Jesus Christ and maybe you think and bought into this fact that what you do doesn't bother anybody else or have any kind of repercussions with anyone else and you bought into the lie of what I do just affects me, y'all, that's a lie. Because that's Satan's tactics to keep you where you are. Because when you're where you are, and God is not there in, in our minds, then you're not any threat to Satan. You're not any threat. But when you listen to the Almighty call you by name, tell you that He loves you, tell you that he died for your sins, that you don't have to stay where you are and your marriage can be something when all you do is fight. Let me tell you what, only God can bring that type of healing. But it's got to start with a relationship with him. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, He's reaching out to you. He's telling you how much He loves you. Over and over again, 
he's told you, and you are not here today by any kind of occasion that is outside the orchestration of God Almighty. So if God's speaking to you, and you have absolutely no clue, let me tell you kind of what it feels like. And maybe, maybe you've never heard what it feels like. It feels like that rapid heartbeat, right? feels like that rapid heartbeat. Maybe you have no peace in your life, meaning that the burdens are too heavy. Maybe you're feeling this compelling sense of need to change. Maybe a feeling of unrest. Maybe you realize that all of these temporary fixes don't last and you're tired of trying all this stuff and it not working out. Maybe you're here this morning because God is speaking to you and saying, stop running from me and come on home. Maybe you feel like a prodigal. You've lived just like the world and everything around it, and you feel like, I just want to come home. I've heard about God. I've heard about his love. I've heard about his grace and mercy, his forgiveness. But I feel so unworthy. I feel like he wouldn't welcome me home. I feel like all the things I've done, they simply just are too much. Then you have a God who comes and says, at the very end of that road, he says what? Come on home. I'm waiting. I've sent Jesus to die for you. Why are you still standing there? And then what does he do to us? All of us who feel like we're unworthy and we can't do anything, he meets us where we are, doesn't he? He doesn't just leave us where we are. He said, I love you too much to leave you where you are. Will you not respond when I tell you that I love you? Believe that I love you. Believe that the only means that you will ever be forgiven is through me. My son died for you that you might have freedom eternal, that I am the way, the truth, and the life, that no man goes to heaven, to God, to the Father, except through me. And I've proven my love to you that while you were still a sinner, I died for you. There's no greater love than when someone lays down their lives for their friends. Amen? So Almighty God might be speaking to you this morning, might be talking to you this morning. Maybe you're an unbelieving spouse. Maybe you're just simply unbelieving this morning. But here's the reality. You don't have to stay there. Right? You don't have to believe the lie that the world offers. When God Almighty has said, I provided a way where there was no way. And maybe you think all the things you've done stack up too much. But let me tell you what God does. God shatters all the stereotypes. He shatters all the things that we think. Because what I've learned of Jesus, he doesn't mind dining with sinners, does he? He doesn't mind going to the home of people that nobody ever thought of. He doesn't mind reaching out to the darkest soul in this world. And I guarantee you, he doesn't mind talking to you about your problems. If you're willing to seek forgiveness, he's willing to give it. So maybe you're here this morning, and you've lived that worldly life, and you've tried everything in this world to repair yourself, to repair your marriage, to repair your life, and you've tried everything you want, you believed everything you found, and you say, you know what, 
I'm just so sick and tired of doing all of these things. It's because you've never encountered Jesus Christ and accepted what he had to offer. Maybe you've heard about Jesus. Maybe you've read about Jesus. But maybe you've never accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. I'm going to invite you this morning to do that. I don't care what your age is, what your background is. I want you to know that Jesus is here for you. He died for you so that you would not have to carry that burden alone. If you're willing to have freedom indeed in Christ, he said that he will separate and scatter our sins as far as the east is from the west. See, God loves you greater than your circumstance, your sin. He loves you not because of what you have done, but because of who he created you to be. And he wants you just to come home, to know him and of his salvation and of his forgiveness. And God said, I'm not promising you this life's going to be easy, but it's very much going to be worthwhile. Because at the very end of our lives, if we are Christian believers, we get to see Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the end result. We might not be wealthy, but we've got Jesus, so we are far wealthier than the rest of the world. If you're here this morning, you need to respond. And God has said, it's time. And he's been slapping you with a two-by-four, and he's been telling you so many different ways that he loves you, but yet you said, you know what, I'm just not ready yet. What's it going to take to wake you up? What's it going to take to help you understand that life is so short, that tomorrow might not ever come, that we might not make it home from church, that you need Jesus today, and you need him right here and right now. Thank you for joining the Friendship Family today. We know that your time is the most valuable commodity that you possess, and we are enormously grateful that you chose to share it with us. If you would like to know more about Friendship Baptist Church, please visit our website, friendshipsturges.com, or our Facebook page at facebook.com fbcms. Both links can be found in the show notes below. Although we would greatly appreciate you leaving us a rating or review, we would be eternally grateful if you would share it with others. We pray that you have a God-filled day, and remember, love God, love people, and reach the world.